finds God finds. Amen, amen, amen. You know, we've been in this serious pushback. Someone say pushback. Pushback. What? Say say that again, pushback. So when you say pushback, some people would think, I want to be very careful how we teach this or preach it. Because some people think we're getting like they did in the 80s, militant. And as you get militant as a believer, they would go up in high places. They would get in jets. They would prophesy. In Tulsa, they would go to the city of faith, to the 50 stories and pray. But how many know the principalities and powers are in high places? But how many know we don't have to go there to pull them down? We can do that right here. And so we got to make sure we are in the right fight. We got to make sure we are in the right place. First Timothy 3 says, so that if I'm delayed, you know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of truth. So I want you to register this in your spirit. God says the hope of the world is in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. God says the pillar of truth is you. The ability to have absolute truth in a time of darkness and chaos. The ability to have light when it's dark. How many know God's not saying the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea through water. He says the glory of God's going to cover the earth through you and through me. He says that you are the one that has his word. So that word is absolute truth. It says in John 8.32, if you continue in my word, then you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So is freedom... It's understanding that some people think that pushback is we got to get up in people's grill. We got to fight. We got to stand. And like we use the armor of God in the Roman centurion, some people think, man, I'm just going to get physical. I'm going to be tough. Well, that's not really what God's talking about. He uses the Roman soldier's armor to give you an analogy of what the armor of God looks like in the spirit. So the Bible tells us the just have to live by faith. We believe even though we don't see. We walk by faith, not by sight. So what's God doing right now? Pastor, the economy's collapsing. The government's crazy. People are going to court. People are calling people to court. This is that. And, and so what the devil tries to do is just like the Wizard of Oz, he tries to get you afraid of the monkey, afraid of the tin man, afraid of the straw man, afraid of the, the, the witch, afraid of maybe Toto, the little dog in the basket. But the reality is the devil is like that old guy that probably has no teeth that's pulling levers behind the curtain. How many know what's behind the curtain is the devil? And the Bible tells us when you see the one that deceived the nations, you're going to laugh. You're going to say it was him. It was him. So you say, what is God doing right now? According to Psalms 2.1, how dare the nations plan a rebellion? Their foolish plots are futile. Look at how the power brokers of the world rise up to hold their summit as the rulers scheme and confer together against Yahweh. See, this isn't against you. It's against Yahweh and his anointed king, Jesus, saying, let us come and break away from the creator. Once and for all, let's cast off the controlling chains of God and his Christ. God enthroned merely laughs at them. The sovereign one mocks their madness. And how many know the Bible says God's going to have control. God's going to win the victory. God in his fierce anger after the church is gone is going to take care of the earth. How many know that's truth? 
Now, now, absolute truth, whether we like it or not, God's word is true. How many agree with me? It's forever settled in heaven. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and it cannot change. So the Bible says when you take unto you the whole armor of God, he tells us, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace so you can stand in the evil day. These Roman soldiers had spikes where they could gain ground, where they could take ground. And whatever they did, they had a strong stance. And then he tells them, take the belt of truth. We know that the belt of truth in the Roman soldier's armor holds everything together. It connects to the bottom. It connects to the top. It has a hook on it for the shield of faith. How many know faith begins where the will of God is known? And so if we have our faith, we have our feet shod, we have a strong stance. He says, and I've given you also what connects to your belt, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. How many know the sword of the spirit is the weapon that God has given you? And how many know, I know this sounds real elementary, but somebody said it's time to read the Bible. We have to know what the word says. We have to know how to use our sword. We have to know where it is. We have to work with the Holy Spirit in us and the word of God renewing and transforming our minds. So when we look at this armor, we say, pastor, so we got this armor. We got this pushback. But what's this pushback is, can I tell you, in times of war, people live different. In times of battle, people act different. The Bible says, be vigilant, be sober. For your adversary, the the devil, is roaming about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And the Bible says, give him no place. How many know the only place the enemy has is the place that we give him? But we're not giving him any place, amen? We have the armor of God. We have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so when we look at this, we say, Pastor, how do we push back? I want to give you this today. Hopefully I can do it short. How do we push back? How do we come engage into this fight, as it were, in the spirit? And I want you to see what the word says so you really understand this. 611 of Ephesians and the passion. Put on God's complete armor that he provides for us so that you may be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings. That might be a very important point today. Your fight is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities, the authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold the dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor God provides so you're protected as you confront the slander. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. Wait, wait, wait. How many believe that? God knows the battle, the fight, the war, but he says, you are destined for all things and you will rise victorious. How many receive that? Come on. How many receive that? This is a vocal gospel. Say, I believe it. I I receive it. it. So the question I want to ask as we best push back by the spirit of God, what is the best, you know, we've heard in Pittsburgh and I hate it. I just hate it. The best offense is a good defense. Defenses win championships. So here we are losing our mind in front of a football game because there's a one-point lead and we're waiting on a field goal and it's going to end like it did this year on three points by a dumb field goal because we're trying to protect the lead. 
How many know that's not the way God operates in this last day? He said, in the name of Jesus, run up the score. How many know the church is going to run up the score? How many of the church is going to stand for truth? And so that's what we have to see. God says, how do you engage in this fight? And I'll tell you, the first one is this. If you're going to stand in the evil day, if you're going to push back, you have to be led by the Spirit of God and fight the right fight. Fight the right fight. So what's the wrong fight? You say, well, the body of Christ has been arguing with themselves for, for centuries. If you look at the Roman Catholic Church, if you look what happened and you go to Rome and you, you walk through that, you see a form of godliness with no power. Doesn't mean we're not loving people. It just means some people aren't engaged in the truth. They believed a lie. And how many know your tradition makes the word of God of no effect? We don't need tradition to make the word of God of no effect. And so when we look at this, we go, do we push back against religion? Do we push back? Pastor, I'm in education. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to a school board meeting. You should. Pastor, I'm in politics. I'm going to become a senator. You should. Pastor, I'm in banking. I'm going to be righteous. Yes, you should go into all the world and proclaim the good news of the gospel. But the Bible tells us if we are led by the Spirit of God in Romans 8, 14, because we are the sons of God. So the greatest offense you have against the enemy's weapon is to be a spirit-filled, spirit-led Christian. Can I have a better amen? Some people don't even know what that means. A spirit-led, spirit-filled Christian like Jesus said, who said, I always hear in what my father says and what he does, and as I see him move, I move. Jesus healed nobody unless he heard from the Spirit. He did no miracles unless he listened to the Spirit. He said, I always do what I hear my Father say. How many know we have the greater one in us, and the greatest offense is you being a Spirit-led Christian, not engaging in the wrong fight. Now, people get all stirred up about politics. I'm not, but how many know this isn't about politics this fight in the earth right now is not about politics. It's not about education. It's not about bad decisions with money. It's not about the border. It's about heaven and hell. It's about life and death. It's about light and darkness. It's about truth versus lies. We have to understand that. We're not fighting with that president, whether whichever one you like or don't like, that senator, that governor, that fetterman. How many know he's a lost guy that needs Jesus? We want to see Mr. Fetterman come to know Christ. That's our first priority. Well, I want to eject him from office. I want to, whatever. People like, go ahead, PA. Go do this. But you know what? That's not where our fight is. I didn't say you shouldn't vote. I didn't say you shouldn't stand for truth and your values. But I can tell you, it's a spiritual fight. And if the devil can deceive you like he did Dorothy, he'll have you thinking about all this stuff around him. But... He just wants to deceive you about what's behind the curtain. He came to kill, steal, and destroy your life and your kid's life and your relative's life. And he's the father of lies. So if he gets you to believe a lie, he's got you. Many Christians in these days in this great falling away, this great apostate, they're getting offended. I got church hurt. I got issues. I got problems. Anything the devil can do to pull you out from the congregation from the flock the first one that gets away from the bunch of bananas gets peeled how many know he likes you to be alone and isolated so as we fight the right fight 
Ephesians tells us that these rulers of this present darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly sphere, that's what we're fighting against. So when I look at this, I go, wow, this is pretty passionately powerful that Stephen, a man full of the Holy Ghost and power, one of the first deacons in the church that they assigned, was so committed to the power of God and the Holy Ghost that they wanted to stone him. That when he stood up, and if you read Acts 7, you see him stand up and say, you guys, and he starts talking about Abraham. Then he starts talking about uh, Isaac and Jacob, and then he goes into Moses and the law. And he's, he's reading off to these people when they asked him a question. And all of a sudden, he gets to this place where he starts speaking truth about Jesus, who you crucified. I mean, that, that's a pretty engaging uh, argument. Jesus Christ, who you crucified. And they're starting to get a little stirred up. What do you mean? You're blaming us? We're, we're, we're religious people. We're traditional people that believe in the law. But he said, you crucified him. And as he says this, it's interesting. Why would you be stubborn and close your hearts? Verse 51 of Acts 7. Listen to it. Close your hearts and your ears to me. You are always opposing the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting when you believe a lie, you oppose the Holy Spirit? Listen to what he says. Just like your forefathers, which prophet was not persecuted and murdered by your ancestors? Now it's getting a little heated. Just name one. They killed them and they prophesied long ago the coming of the righteous one, which was Jesus. You follow in their steps. You have become betrayers and murderers. You have been given the law by visitation of angels, but you do not obey it. And listen, listen, here's the, here's the heathen, ready? Here's the religious people that didn't engage with the truth. And when they heard these things, they were overtaken with a violent rage filling their souls. And they gnashed their teeth. But Stephen, overtaken with great faith, was full of the Holy Spirit. He fixed his gaze on heaven heavenly realm and he saw the glory of God and he started saying out loud who stood up at the right hand of the father I see Jesus look Stephen said I see the heavens opening and the son of man standing at the right hand of God and welcoming me home and the accusers covered theirs they couldn't stand it they covered their hands uh, they covered their ears with their hands they screamed at the top of their lungs to drown out his voice they pounced on him and threw him outside the walls to stone him and his accusers one by one. I was sitting with an atheist on a plane a couple weeks ago. And he started screaming at the top of his voice at me. My wife was like, shh. She was sitting over there. I was sitting over here. This guy was yelling cuss words. He said, how do you believe that? I'm an atheist. He said, why won't you marry two men? What's wrong with you preachers? What's wrong? He's yelling in the whole compartment of the, and he's angry. And I'm just staying stable. I'm just like, it's cool. I'm not fighting this dude. I'm not, he wanted a fight. He wanted to fight me. I mean, he was dropping every, he was accusing my Jesus of this. And the Bible's not true. There's no way it's true. It's an antiquated book 2,000 years ago. And he's just everything to get under my skin. You don't believe us. What about your kids? Just on and on. I'm just smiling. And I found it interesting that 13 times he apologized to me. As he was drinking his brewskis, he said, I'm sorry, I got out of control. He started yelling again. And all the people were looking around. And I said, hey, man, I love you. Give me your email. Let's connect. He said, I'd love to do that. Let's debate further. Let's talk about this. How many know sinners sin? As a believer, we're here to reach the lost. We're not here. People say, I'm going to go up there and I'm just going to petition Target. Target's the enemy. No, Target's not the enemy. Target is owned by another company, which is owned by another company, which has 
trillions of dollars of assets which is connected by George Soros. Did you know that? You say, well, are you mad at George? No, he's just manipulated of the devil. Do you want to argue with George? No, he's manipulated by demons. Some of these people take the wealth that they have and they use it to engage a guy in London who puts a shirt in Target and they buy their whole brand and says, Satan knows your pronoun. How many know these guys got trillions? They just, they just want to influence the world for the negative. They want to bring an anti-Christ spirit. They want every business to be judged by their inclusion. It's very, very tricky. By their inclusion rating. By how you diverse, and they call it diversity and inclusion. And there's one other word they use. And they say, here's your rating. So all these, when I get it, it's just a deception to bring division and to bring chaos and to bring strife. They don't care if they lose. They want to hurt, the, they want to hurt people. They want to take the antichrist spirit. They don't care about how this works out or that works out. Satan's goal is to take people to hell. And Satan, God's goal for the church is for you to stop them. Can I have a better amen? amen? So in order to stop them, guess what? We got to become, look at this Acts, Acts, or excuse me, Luke 19. Everyone say it with me out loud, friend of sinners. Come on, look at your neighbors. Say, I'm a friend of sinners. Are you a friend of sinners? So out of all these religious people wanting to see Jesus in Luke 19, there's this one little guy who was very wealthy. He was a tax collector. He stole from a lot of people, and he saw Jesus coming. Something engaged his heart. He said, I see Jesus, but now I see a crowd that I can't get over the crowd to see him. So I see a sycamore tree, and I climbed up in the sycamore tree because it's the Lord I wanted to see. How many know there's been people coming up short their whole life, but God says, come on, climb up in the tree, and when you see Jesus, everything changes. So now he sees Jesus, and out of all these people that Jesus go hang out and have lunch with and eat wings with, he says, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm coming to your house today. So in the Hebrew culture, when you eat with a person, that means you love them, you accept them. In that culture, you feed one another. In that culture, you don't have people in your home and take off their shoes and wash their feet unless you really, really love them. But in the middle of dinner, repentance comes by the goodness of God. And he looks up and he says, listen, if I've, if I've stolen from anyone, I'm going to return their money, their tax money, fourfold. And then he says, I'm going to give half of all my money. And Jesus looks over at him and says, today, salvation has come to your house. And do you know what the big issue was? The big issue was, Jesus says, I came to seek and to save them that are lost. Do you know the big issue was with Zacchaeus is the religious people said he eats with sinners. He eats with sinners. I told my wife, every Friday or Saturday night for the rest of my life, we're taking a sinner to dinner. How about that? Write that in your notes. Take a sinner to dinner. No, I'm serious. We go with each other. Vinny, let's go get some barbecue. Let's go get some wings, Alec. But what about sinners? What if Vinny didn't care about his friends? What if he didn't care? But you know what? There's something deeper than this whole world has to offer, and it's spiritual. It's God's using us in Christ to win this world to Jesus. How many know he's depending on us? But here's what we don't like. We don't like dinner with a sinner. I, I honestly, I'm just being real with you. I was sitting on that plane. I thought at first, I want to punch this guy. I just reach over and cold cock him. He'll go to sleep, but it'd be done. But that's how we get, that's how we get impatient with sinners. 
Jesus was a friend to sinners. Say dinner with sinner. Say it out loud. Dinner with sinner. Who have you been eating with? See, when we get saved, they did percentages. Like 3% still meet with sinners after they get saved. They get rid of their old friends. They go to church and they don't talk to sinners anymore. I didn't say to keep sinning. I said, have friends that are sinners. So Amy and I get on this flight to go to San Francisco several years ago to marry uh, a couple from this church. And we get out there. We're at this big, extravagant, extravagant. Uh, I call this illustration the Fred factor. There's a guy named Fred. We're at this extravagant dinner in Palo Alto. They don't even say it like Palo Alto. They go, I'm from Palo Alto. Like, really? Palo Alto. Where do you live? Palo Alto. Palo Alto. I'm like, okay. And, and we're walking around the university. What university is there? I don't like that university. Stanford. So Stanford University, walk around it. It's extremely interesting there. And so we come finally to the day of the wedding and my wife are there and we're walking around and we're like, hey, we're going to marry this couple. I guess we'll go look at Palo Alto. We'll go look at Napa Valley, whatever. We'll go drive to here. And so we're in this interesting, beautiful, incredibly, marry them. It's powerful. And then there's a guy at the reception. His name's Fred. Everyone say the Fred factor. Say dinner with a sinner. I got an illustration. Here's Fred right here, the Fred factor. So we got the Fred factor. He looks over, and, and this is, I'm just being real with you. I'm not going to cuss in church, but I'll give, you, I'll give you different letters, okay, that you can, some of you guys used to be good cussers, so you know what letters mean, okay? If I say, anyway, I'm not even going to tell you that. But, so, so we go over, and they go, this is Fred. Fred has been our, our teacher at Stanford for years, and he was this, and he was this, and he used to be at Harvard, and now he's at Stanford, and he's this, and Fred's about 90-some, and he's like George Burns. He's just this little guy, and he looks over at us. I go, hi, Fred. Nice to meet you, and he stops, and he turns around and looks at my wife. He goes, man, sure, your wife's good looking. Sinners, don't don't be mad about this. I'm going to punch. He said something about my wife. Dirty old man. He's a sinner. I said, she's a, and he looks straight at my wife and says, out loud, so everybody could hear. He said, how many know the devil knows your name? How many know the devil knows? He looks at my wife out loud and says, you're an effing conservative, strong woman. Just like that. I'm like, you got it, buddy. Then he goes, blankety, blank, blank. He's going on. And we're just, my wife's just standing there laughing. <laughs> we afraid. <laughs> He's like looking at me. I said, he said, I could debate you on any scriptural thing or any scholar, but I am a self-pronounced atheist. And he keeps cussing at me. And he's, by, by the time half the way to the wedding's through, he's drunk. They're drunk. People are drunk. And we're just chilling out. And Fred's getting a little bit tipsy and loud. And he goes, come over here, preacher. <laughs> And I'm like sitting next to Fred, eating cookies next to Fred. Then I eat salad next to Fred. Then I go to the bathroom. Fred goes to the bathroom. I'm like, Fred's following me. And I love Fred. Honestly, I love Fred. You know, when Jesus was, was that rich young ruler, he loved him. How many of you know there's something about sinners that you love? Because you love what he loves and you hate what he hates. And you see people as dying, sighing, crying humanity without Jesus. What about your neighbors? Is it all right? You're going to heaven and your kids, but what about your neighbors? What about your boss? What about the people around you that God put the light in you? So I just kept, I, I sort of told Amy, this is crazy. 
Like this, this is crazy. What this guy was arguing with me about, about science and about this. And so we t- people were still partying. We had about a three-hour debate. And then at the end, I'm getting ready to leave, and who's sitting at the front door? <laughs> Fred. Fred goes, can I, get, can I email you? Can I get your email? Can I get your wife's email? I said, listen, Fred, only if I can pray for you. He said, you can pray for me. And I said, God, reveal to Fred your love for Fred. I thank you that he's fearfully and wonderfully made, and you created him for a purpose. And you love him, and I ask you to reveal yourself to him by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Not a weird start shaking, falling out. No, 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 no. Just, just, hey, Fred, God loves you, right? Simple prayer. Reveal yourself to Fred. So he gives me his business card. We don't hear nothing from Fred. Year and a half goes on. It's all good. We get an email from my secretary. I gave him our Grace Life Church stuff. He looked back and forth. He said, I'd like to check you guys out online. Didn't hear another word. A year and a half later, two years, I get an email. Goes to my email. I look at it. Fred died today. Fred, Fred, at 90-some years old, went to his daughter's wedding, his other daughter. He had such a great day. He drank some wine. He ate a beautiful dinner, and he danced with his daughter. That night, Fred went to bed. He suffered a heart attack, never woke up. He said, but the good news is, Fred said something about you and your wife. And Fred watched your services every Sunday for the last year and a half of his life. Fred is a born-again child of God. He died and went straight to heaven. How many know God's got a sense of humor? Everyone say the Fred factor. Eat dinner with a sinner. What's your goal this summer? Eat dinner with a sinner. Eat dinner with a sinner. Because you got light in you. You got power in you. You got anointing in you. You got a word in you. You got healing in you. No, no, I need some more claps for Jesus. You guys got to realize this. Stop being in neutral. You're a powerhouse. You got the greater one in you. You got healing in your hands. You got power in your voice. You got hope. You got hope in your life. The world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. How many believe it? Someone say the Fred factor. Listen, listen to what Paul said. I love it. I love it that Jesus loves sinners. You know, I used to go on vacation and say, Lord, can I just get a rest? I've been preaching for years. I just need some time off. And then he sets me up for these crazy encounters with Rank heathens. And I love it. Come on, someone say it's fun. See, we're uncomfortable. Isn't it interesting? We're uncomfortable. But that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit, who's the comforter, who's guiding and leading us, number one, to fight the right fight. Stop arguing with people. I'm not going to Target. I'm not either. But you know what? I don't want to argue about it. We're going to take back the rainbow. No, we're not. It's ours. The rainbow belongs to God. It means a promise. June is family month. June is promise month. It's not some other distorted untruth. How many know that? You don't have to fight that. God's word stands for sure. Every human being will stand before God and give an account. I can't change the word. It's an absolute. 
It's a rule. You know, I'm gonna, you know, I wake up one day, I'm gonna change the ruler system. I don't like inches, I don't like centimeters. It doesn't matter, you can change it, it's still the truth. Everyone judges square foot by inches. Everything comes back to the rule, the measure of law or rule of law. No matter what you feel, no matter what Satan lies to you about, it does not change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's fight the right fight. Let's be friends with sinners. Why? 1 Corinthians 9, 19. Listen, even though I am free from the demands and expectations of everyone, I voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralists, loose living and moralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings for Christ, but I entered their world. Come on, say I entered their world. And I tried to experience things from their point of view. I become just about every sort of servant that there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did it because of the message, the gospel. I didn't just want to be talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. How many want to be in on it? Come on, how many really want to be in on it? At Grace Life Church, we say all in. How many can dance and march and be in the parade? You want a real parade? Come on, 4th of July. You'll see three, 400 people dancing, shouting, celebrating, playing music, worshiping God. Be all in. Be all in in the kingdom. But listen, as I close today, I thought this is, this is so important that we don't fight the wrong fight and we're led by the Spirit. We're led by the Spirit, what God's showing us about truth and His Word. But then we are enjoying and i'm not joking about that i told my wife who we eating with this week we have all these couples our neighbors we have jewish people from squirrel hill we have businessmen we're just lining them up once a week we're gonna have dinner with a sinner dinner with a sinner how many know it's harvest time jesus said lift up your and how many know the best defense is a good offense when we get about god's business how many know he takes care of our business when we get about his primary purpose Wow, wait do you hear what God's gonna, God gave me for next week. It's powerful. But finally, listen to this one, and I'll close it up. Listen, this is so important. This is what he asked us to do. He said in Ephesians 4, until we all come to the unity of the faith, he's waiting for unity in the body. Stop fighting each other. Stop offending each other. This church and that church, that's why that's such a beautiful thing. I love Bishop. I love Bishop Barbara. Amy loves them. We went on vacation last summer together. We spent about eight, ten days together just having the time of our lives, sitting, listening to music, watching the beach, eating it. How many know when pastors start coming together in agreement? When body members start coming together in agreement? When we start finding our place in the body? Uh, you need to leave this church. That's fine. I'm not offended. I'm not hurt. But you better get to the place where God called you. You better be led by the Spirit in this last day. You just don't go anywhere. You go to the house that God's called you to be. Don't be a granola person, a fruit nut in the flake, and shift in churches 64 times. You'll be a dead, dried up bush. How many know God has a strategic place for you in a local church in the part of a body, and he has something for you to do there? Get where God called you to be. But what do we do, Pastor? We speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4, 13. Till we come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth 
This is what God's asking us in this day. Don't be like children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine and the slight of men, the cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. How many know Satan is deceiving like crazy right now? He'll use your feelings, your emotions, your, your carnivore, your, your carnal flesh nature, whatever he can use to get you off path, that's what he's going to do. But the Bible says, give him no place. But I love this. This is what God tells us to do. He says, but, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love. What's God called you to do? Well, I got to be led by the Spirit. Sometimes he says push back. Sometimes he says go in. Sometimes he says wait. Sometimes he says don't talk. How many know when you listen to the Holy Spirit, that's the best form of pushback? That's the best form of offense. And so I go, I go well, wait a minute. How's, it, how's this work? And so we have these, these, these couple kinds of Christians right now. You have, you have these Christians that are kind of militant. They're militant to the right. I'm, I'm for God. I'm for government. I'm for this. I'm for that. I'm not, I'm not saying you can't be. You, you got to be who God called you to be. I love our government. I love our country. I love, but, but our country is not the Savior. Listen to the biblical worldview. America is not the Savior. Jesus is. And we have people preaching stuff that when they preach it and then when it doesn't happen, they change their message. How many know that's not the author that's godly? That's confusion. So you have one side and, 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 and it's like, I'm going to fight this and I'm going to fight. And we should vote. We should do our part. I want you to see that. I'm not saying we don't. But we, we get engaged. We get involved. And we, but, but now all of a sudden we're saving water and we're putting ammunition and guns and getting a cave and putting sites like, what are you going to do? Someone comes to my house, they got water and food, they knock on the door, am I going to shoot them? No, 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 you're going to, you love people. You want dinner with a sinner. Come on in and eat lunch. Let's, God provides all our needs. They need to see his goodness, right? So here we are, and God's saying, I need you to learn how to speak the truth in love. So we got that side, and then we got the other side who, who's far left, and what they do is say, well, truth just doesn't matter too much, so... We can put a rainbow flag up at the church. We can marry men. One man to another man. We can, we can do a little drag queen show in church. It's true. It's happening this week in California. There's a, 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 a drag queen show for their children. But, but, but wait, wait. This is, the, this is the world we live in, right? It's, it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. And they, they, they put the rainbow flag up and they denounce the scripture and they change the word of God. So we got these two sides of, of, of pretty much crazy situations. We got Christians that are deceived and we got Christians think they know 100%. And God's saying, how do I live in this last day? I live pure. I live holy. I live a life led by the Spirit because I'm a son of God. And so as I listen to the leading of the Holy Ghost like Jesus, he's always on time. He's in the right place at the right time. So, Pastor, wait, 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 wait. How do you speak the truth in love? Let me give you a real story, real, real true. You have to get in your heart to love people like God loves people. You have to get it in your heart to love what he loves and to hate what he hates. And the Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you. So I'm, I'm, I'm crazily standing back at that door about eight, ten years ago. And these people have been coming to church. And it was crazy how it happened. How many know your stories of your life? God's always teaching you something. So I'm, 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 I'm standing back at the door shaking hands. And a young lady comes to me. And she says, what's your stance on lesbians? And I said, we love them. What's your stance on gays? I said, we love them. What's your stance? I love them. G-P-T-Q-Z. We love them all. 
God loves them all. See, see, that makes me a little uncomfortable. No, no, no. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I love what he loves. Well, I hate so-and-so. No, 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 no. I love what he loves. So, see, the problem in the church is we get so self-righteous that we don't like sinners and we don't want to be around sinners. So I'm standing at the back, and this lady says to me, I said, we love and accept. She comes back, six months, says, I love this place. I'm bringing all my friends. Can I tell you how I came here? I said, how'd you come here? She said, I was driving down the street, and somebody posted on my, my feed, come to GLC, where the love of God and the life of God is. She said, and to me, GLC means gay and lesbian community. <laughs> how many know God has a sense of humor? I put my arms around her. I squeezed her. I said, she probably doesn't like me, right? So I said, I squeezed her. I said, I said, you're awesome, God. And she started crying with tears. She said, I'm bringing all my friends. And she said, Pastor, do you know how much suicide? Do you know how much alcoholism? Do you know how much drug addiction? Do you know how much sleepless nights? Do you know how much depression? It's horrible. It's a, I don't want to. And she said, I want to have a meeting with you. I said, that's fine. We'll meet next week. And, and, and she said to me, she said, this church is my antidepressant shot every week. She said, coming in this worship. Do you see how the world thinks? Just come on, say dinner with a sinner. Jesus was a friend to sinners. I can slow down. I don't have to drive north today. But you do. But, but, but listen to this. This is so important. I learned something. Whether arguing with a guy on a plane or talking to the Fred Factor or dinner with a sinner, our neighbors now. Amy started the book club last week. These ladies said, said I love fictional no novels and this and that and the other. She said, we're having a Sondra Station book club. And all these ladies are going, we're in. I'm like, you're going to be saved. I don't like fiction that much. <laughs> you're going to be saved. How many know God gives you angles? God gives, but do you really love people? You love people like God loves people or are you just religious? We, we want to do our church thing and get people to understand everything. They don't understand anything. They just need light because they're in darkness. They just need joy because they're in depression. They need healing because they're sick. They need the ability of someone in their life that can represent pushback in the form of being led by the Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can do what He wants to do in their life. So I'm like, I'm like speaking the truth in love. May the whole body grow up. So I'm in this meeting with her, and I said, would you mind if my wife meets with us? Because I don't meet. And these ladies come, and they said, we love your tenets of faith. We love everything about your church. It's our antidepressant shot. It gives us joy. When we come depressed, we leave with joy. She said, I love the worship. We love, she said, and you're a good pastor even. And, and I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> and, and, and she said, we love everything about this place. She said, but I have just one question. She said, will you marry us? And I just, in love, I said, ma'am, I said, we love you. We want you to stay. We love you. You have 25 people coming here now. They dispersed through the congregation. I didn't ever tell anyone. I said, I opened the scriptures, my rule for truth. And I said, you know, I, I, I want to inform you today. I'll never marry two girls. I'll never marry two boys. In that tone, you can ask my wife, in love. I said, God made us this way. And you know what? What you just said of all the complications of 
gender transformations and, and this. Nobody's telling you the backside of the story. They're getting cancer. They want to change back. They need counseling. They have all these issues. They have sickness and disease most of their lives. Nobody's talking about that. You know what? Because when, when you say, I know better than God, he says, he made male and female, made he him. You say, Pastor, what is that? That's truth, that I don't have an opportunity to change. So I have to look people in the eye and say, God made a man this way and a woman this way. And which one are you? Because you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And God never made a mistake. He knew what he was doing with you. And the devil has to bring, how many know, for the word of God giving you transformation, how many know he loves to steal that word and say, maybe you don't like you and you should have been a boy or a girl or a Barbie Ken or a Barbie girl or a Barbie doll or this, that. And so what happens is we back away from the truth and say, okay, we'll push back and we'll just throw a rainbow up so people don't think. God said to me on the plane, he said, so you won't marry two guys? I said, absolutely not. He said, you're a homophobe. He goes, why are you guys such, he's in my grill. Why are you guys such haters? I said, well, I'm not a hater, man. He said, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry, man. He kept apologizing to me. But you know what? I just kept sitting there walking in love. And I said, ma'am, can we pray with you? We ask you to keep coming to church. Keep hearing the word because it's the truth. And the truth will set you free if you continue in it. But I understand, and, 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 you know, she started crying and said, oh, this is, that's when she said, this is our antidepressant shot. And she said, we just, we, we love each other. I said, you can love each other. I said, but th that's not syndicated in the word of God. Now you say, pastor, is that, that, that hard? No, no, that's truth. And so the Bible tells us that we're bound by the scripture to speak the truth in love. And so when that lady was caught in the very act, and how many's out searching for people that were, we caught her. We caught her. Here, the law says, the rule of law says to stone her, Jesus. And they started picking up their stones, and they're getting ready to have a time, getting joy by murdering somebody because they didn't keep the rule of law. But Jesus steps down. L listen, Jesus, he gets down in the dirt. He gets down on their level. How many know Jesus came to this planet to get down on our level? And he starts writing in the sand. Some scholars say probably wrote out some of their sins. And the Bible says one by one, they dropped their stones and they went away. And Jesus said, where are your accusers? She said, nowhere, Lord. Listen to these words as we close today. She said, Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee no condemnation in Christ right but then he said go and sin no more the Bible says not in Proverbs listen to the scripture listen what it says I love this he says let not mercy and truth forsake them wow let mercy and truth not forsake them what is God telling us he's saying hey the truth is, and the same thing at the woman at the well. He said, if you don't stop living, you have five husbands. And the one you live with today is not your husband. She said, I perceive that thou art a prophet, Lord. And, and what does this scripture end up in? Listen what it ends up in. We, we got a situation where she's living with a man, had five husbands before, and she's what? Thirsty. 
the, the, the younger generation says he's thirsty. That means he's looking for a lady. She's thirsty that she can't find a boyfriend. He said, he said she's thirsty. And Jesus wanted to get to the, the core of the problem. Not the next husband. That's what he's trying to do with you today. He wants to get to their issue of the heart. And so he says, this woman's thirsty. He said, why don't you ask me and I'll give you a drink? He asked her. That's the conversation Jesus has with the sinner. He says, hey, you know what? Give me a drink because he knows how it's going to turn out. He's trying to connect with her about what's in the well and the water. And so and, and, and this girl says, the, the well's deep and I don't have a, something to draw it out. And Jesus said, if you knew the gift in me, you would have asked me for a drink and I would have given you living water. In other words, you've had six relationships and nothing's worked out, but I can get to the root of the problem today that you'll be thirsty no more. When Jesus comes into your life, when you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to get power. You're going to get joy. You're going to get hope. You're going to get peace and you're going to find the right man that you'll be one with forever. Well, wait, 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 wait. And so as she's saying this, I perceive thou art a prophet. She shifts, she shifts the whole conversation. And she says, our fathers worship over there. Your fathers worship in Jerusalem. And so she brings up the rule of law. How many know it's interesting people keep what they want to do, but what they don't want to do, they don't keep. So she shifts the conversation. And says, I want to talk about worship. We worship over there and you worship in Jerusalem, but where should we worship? And Jesus says, it's all about worship. And those who worship me, it doesn't matter where they worship. It matters that they worship in spirit and in truth. The two things God wants to get to his church today. It's you have to be filled with the Spirit, and you have to be filled with the knowledge of God. The minute you know the rule of God, you know His Word, you know exactly what to do, you rejoice evermore, and everything give thanks, because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. All of a sudden, you have mercy and truth. Mercy is God loves you and forgives you. Truth is, if you keep living like that, you're going to catch diseases. You're going to get messed up. Guys are going to hurt you. You're going to have a broken heart. In Proverbs, you're going to pour out your wealth for the next generation that was supposed to go to your kids, and it's going to go to everyone else, and you're going to bring disease on your body, and you're going to have issues, and you're not going to have joy because Proverbs 7 says, a wayward woman is like a deep ditch. How many know there's just a lot to that? But what Satan do? The very place where people want to become intimate with sexual intercourse. He wants to destroy the understanding of what sexuality is so that it can get you in a soul tie, so they can get the promise to be broken over your life, and it can get you to a place where you're so thirsty that you don't know what to do next. It's very interesting how Jesus deals with sinners. Your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. How many know?